Hello, this is Danielle Freitag with Jenna DeYoung, Real Talk Podcast, encouraging faith and inspiring restoration, sharing tips, tools, and talk. We're exploring a biblical worldview that empowers and prompts faith in action. Okay, season two, episode 12. And you guys, we have a special guest. We're super excited. And we're actually just going to hand over the entire podcast um, to good friends. So, co founder of Action 169 and also um, Activation Ministries, but Michael DeYoung, who is the husband of Jenna. Hey, Mike. Hey, Danielle. Yeah, so glad. I'm super excited for this. And then also um, Nicholas Anderson. And you guys, Mike and Nick are both pastors. Um, I've known Mike for uh, quite a long time, but these guys have some really great information to share. And so we're actually just going to hand over the podcast to them and hope you guys enjoy. We want to share with you guys a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving from uh, both a biblical perspective and then also from an American perspective and how Thanksgiving became about. But I got my good friend, Nick Anderson here. And uh Hey, Nick, it's going to be good, man. We've had it on our heart for a while to share this, so we're going to get it kicked off. But happy Thanksgiving to you guys all and excited to. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Amen. And excited to share this with you, just some history about the American holiday of Thanksgiving and where that came from. And a little bit of history, first of all, as I was praying and just looking into this, and I get a great Bible and it's called the Founder's Bible. It's pretty, pretty phenomenal. But a guy by the name of David Barton actually wrote it. And uh, just studying the story of Thanksgiving and how it came about. And it's pretty cool uh, because, you know, it talks about the pilgrims, you know, how they were trying to escape tyranny in England and get away from uh, King James. And uh, they actually fled to Holland in 1607. They sold their farms. They sold uh, everything, left their jobs and uh, all in the pursuit of freedom, religious freedom, which is pretty awesome to think about, willing to give it all up and lay it down. And it makes you think of like, you know, the rich young ruler, it makes me think of Abraham, you know, willing to leave everything, you know, for the cause of Christ. And uh, that's a cool thing. So in 1607, they left everything and they fled to Holland because Holland uh, was full of Dutch people. I'm part Dutch. I'm actually all Dutch, 100% both sides. Um, my kids are part Dutch because my wife's not full Dutch. Uh, she's not any Dutch, but anyway, um, I'm full Dutch. <laughs> so I kind of related. You'll, story. Forgive, you'll forgive her that though, right? I'll forgive her for that, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, uh, she's uh grafted in, so it's pretty awesome. Uh, but you're not Dutch either, are you, Nick? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Half half British, half uh Danish. So there's yeah. no both, but you man. still hang out with me too, so still take them in, and they they always say you ain't <laughs> Dutch ain't much, but I've heard that. <laughs> So anyways, um, kind of neat though, they actually fled Holland and they are, they fled England and went to Holland for 15, about 15 years. And the cool thing about it was they loved the Dutch people. The pilgrims did because uh, the Dutch people resisted tyranny. Uh, they fought for religious freedom and the Dutch people actually loved the pilgrims because they were good members of society, society. They went to 
to work or they didn't suck up the society. They actually added to it. So the blend was really good. Um, but then there came a part in time where they wanted to head for the new land. And there's about 300 pilgrims in Holland, which is not a ton, uh, but 300 good men, you know, will, will go a long ways. But what happened in 1620 was 102 chose to get a, a, a on a boat and their first boat they actually got on was a fishing boat and it started leaking. So they had to get off that boat and they eventually end up on the Mayflower to set sail across. And uh, it was the trip. There was 45 days. And they talked about each person had about the amount of room as a single bed. And that's not much room. And I mean, water's gushing in and, you know, people are sick, not a ton of supplies. And it was not, you know, your cruise boat that we have, you know, these days, to sail across the, the ocean, you know, it was 45 days in Mayflower. So these people got across and eventually what happened was uh, 102 were on that ship. Uh, 47 lived. Okay. Hmm. This was after the, after the landing in Plymouth, 47 of these people lived. And out of that, I don't know if there's 20, 25, you know, pilgrims or what it was, but that was the, the beginning of the pilgrims coming across to America and the neat thing about it was this. I want to read this to you real quick. This is uh, from David Bart, but it says, the, the tradition introduced by European Americans of Thanksgiving as a time to focus on God and his blessings dates well back over four centuries in America. For example, such Thanksgivings occurred in 1541 at Palo Duro Canyon. So this was even prior to there was there was a Thanksgiving set up where they were being thankful to the Lord who gave them all the blessings. And then there's many others as well. But the pilgrims, after they set sail in 1620 and they beat the harsh elements of the storm, they got to Plymouth Rock. The first thing they did was they held a prayer service and then they began quickly building shelters. But ain't it cool, Nick, how right away the first thing they did was they held a prayer service once they got on Plymouth Rock. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yep. They recognized where their uh, where their help came from. Man, right away, first thing they did, and I think about us as we face trials today doing that same thing. Um, but what happened was they uh, prepared for a harsh New England winter. Nearly half of them died before spring. Um, emerging from the grueling winter, the pilgrims were surprised when an Indian named Samoset approached them and greeted them in their own language, explaining to them that he had learned English from fishermen and traders. A week later, Samoset returned with a friend named Squanto, who lived with the pilgrim pilgrims and accepted their Christian faith. Squanto taught the pilgrims much about how to live in the new world. So this is really cool too, how the, how the native Americans and the pilgrims came together and uh, accepted each other and actually lived with each other and helped each other, which hmm. was neat. And I know there's a lot of things that happened. You wish it could have stayed that way. Uh, but it says this, it says, uh, Squanto taught the pilgrims much about the new world and he and Samoset helped forge a long-lasting peace treaty between the Pilgrims and the Wampanoag Native Americans. Pilgrim Governor William Bradford described Squanto as a special instrument sent of God for our good and never left us till he died. Um, mm. So pretty cool to see that side of it. And that summer, the Pilgrims still persevering in prayer, assisted by helpful in Indians reaped a bountiful harvest, a uh, pretty neat thing. So they declared a three-day feast to thank God and celebrate with their Indian friends. America's first Thanksgiving 
Festival. Andy, Native Americans joined the 50 pilgrims for three days of feasting. And you think about the nations coming together for that, which is pretty cool. And they, they ate shellfish, lobsters, turkey, cornbread, berries, deer, and other foods. And uh, pretty neat. It says the young pilgrim and the Native men engaged in races, wrestling matches, and athletic events. So a lot like today when you got football on Thanksgiving and a time of prayer. This celebration and its accompanying activities were the origin of the holiday that Americans celebrate this November. So pretty neat on that piece of it. Um, Then it gets into Governor Bradford and, you know, what came about. Then eventually, years later, Lincoln came and Lincoln actually established uh, Thanksgiving as as a religious holiday. And this is one of the neat mm-hmm. thing about Lincoln here. It says uh, the Thanksgiving proclamation issued by Lincoln was remarkable, not only for its strong religious content, but also for its timing. Mm-hmm. For it was delivered in the midst of the darkest days of the Civil War, with the Union having yes. lost battle after battle for the first three years of conflict. Yet, despite those dark circumstances, Lincoln Nevertheless, called Americans to prayer with an air of positive optimism and genuine, genuine thankfulness, noting that I love this aspect. It says the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies to these bounties, which were so constantly enjoyed that we were prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are so extraordinary, a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever watchful watchful providence of the almighty god no human counsel devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things they are the gracious gifts of the most high god who while dealing with us in anger for our sins hath nevertheless remembered mercy Hmm. and the favorite this is a I'm going to end this with this part of it, but it talks about Lincoln coming to faith. And I read this and I was like, wow, you don't hear this story. And I felt like it's a remarkable story that needs to be shared. Um, You know, America is not a perfect nation. We've had our, our wars, our things, but the neatest thing, we're the freest nation and we've been blessed by God. And it's something worth worth repenting over and worth coming back to Christ over um, to believe for unity in the future. Um, out of times of great darkness can come great light, and we're going to believe for that. But it says this. It says, that remarkable Thanksgiving proclamation came at a pivotal point in Lincoln's spiritual life. Three months earlier, the Battle of Gettysburg had occurred, resulting in the loss of some 60,000 American lives. It had been while Lincoln was walking among the thousands of graves there at Gettysburg that he first committed his life to Christ. As he later explained to a clergyman, when I left Springfield, Illinois, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. The dramatic spiritual impact resulting from that experience was not only visible in Lincoln's Thanksgiving Day proclamation, but especially in his 1865 second inaugural address. Pretty neat how that happened, but you yes. know how through darkest times, you know, through the civil war and through all that death, like God had a man picked out that had a heart for him, even before he knew him, 
you know, he chose him. But through that process of darkness, here you got the American president, Abraham Lincoln, and he receives Christ and uh, is able to lead the nation after that. And ultimately, he went on to spend his eternal life with Christ in heaven, which is pretty awesome. So we got an amazing nation. We're going to pray for that again. But Nick's going to take it away from some biblical approach on on this season with Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, a couple couple of things that came to mind when you were reading. I had uh, I had Lincoln's proclamation up here as well, and uh, yeah, when you think of the United States being in the midst of a horrible civil war uh, in 1863, and then here, when it looked like it's at its darkest, uh, Lincoln is inviting the nation to give thanks to God, and I think what a good reminder for us. So often we want to give thanks when we're in the middle of something really good happening. Uh, then it's easy to be able to count our blessings and uh, to recount to God the things we're thankful for. What a really good uh, reminder that in the midst of trouble uh, to be able to cast our eyes to God. And in first uh, Thessalonians, it says in everything, give thanks uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And um, when we think about the trouble that the Puritans were in, they fled their nation. They wanted to come to a land, um, not just so they could escape evil, but a place where they would be able to establish righteousness. Uh, they didn't want to just flee trouble, but they wanted to be able to come to a place, start a nation where they would be able to found it on the word of God. And then the same thing with our founding fathers leading up to Abraham Lincoln. They had a strong desire to have a nation of laws um, that was based on the word of God, uh, that kept their eyes fixed on Jesus and everything that they did. Kind of hard to do, I think, in our times, Michael. Um, sometimes I think as, as believers, Christians, we, we can feel like the nation has fallen apart. Uh, there seems to be so much darkness. Um, but I think it's a really good for, uh, reminder for us, get our eyes fixed on the Lord, not digging in, in our heels and pull away. Um, but to be able to remember what we're built on and to continue to pursue that, um, with everything that we do. Um, I think that churches should be on the cutting edge of that, uh, leading the nation in um, yeah, thankfulness to God, but then also drawing people's attention uh, to the Lord and to the gospel in the midst of this time. Um, you had mentioned uh, prior to our uh, getting on this call uh, that at the end uh, you wanted to um, lead people to uh, find things that they're thankful for. Every year that we, we do that as a family, when we're sitting around the table, um, We'll go around and then ask ask my kids, my wife, uh, whoever happens to be sitting with us, um, what they're what they're thankful for. And to be honest, I, I think if families are doing that this year, um, yeah, the list the list might feel kind of short to them. I was watching the news yesterday, and uh, can't remember which the senator from Louisiana, I think his name's John Kennedy, and uh, he was going through how much higher prices are this year, this Thanksgiving. What a Thanksgiving meal, how much higher it's going to cost this year compared to last. And it seemed so bleak. Everything that was coming out of his mouth seemed so bad. And, uh, yeah, I just couldn't, I, I could, uh, couldn't tell that he had much good news for the nation. And then, again, I just had to remind myself that, yeah, even though there seems to be so much bad news, there's so much to be thankful for in him, uh, in the Lord. Um, in Philippians chapter 4. Um, starting in verse six, it says, uh, be careful for nothing or don't, 
don't set your cares on, on any, on anything else. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And so in essence, what he's saying there is no matter what things look like, no matter how much trouble you're in, just like Lincoln was in 1863, um, don't cast your cares on anything else but God. Make your requests known to God. Have a thankful heart for the things that he's provided for you. Uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth is listening to a sermon of his uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, he was reminding the people that he was preaching to. He's like, oh, you might feel uh, like uh, you have you have nothing to give thanks for, he says, but you woke up this morning and you weren't on a ventilator, or you woke up this morning and you you weren't in a wheelchair, or you woke up this morning and you weren't in a persecuted country, um, or you woke up this morning and and all of your family was was safely in their beds and you were ready to go about a day, or you have a job. Like there's just so many things uh, to give uh, to give thanks for to God, um, even when we're in a in a season that uh, has so much uncertainty in it, and so. I just wanted to remind people of that, like make that list, keep your eyes fixed on the Lord, thankful for what he's provided for us. So that's amen. Awesome. Yeah, really, really good. I got a couple of verses I was going to add on that real quick too, as I just was running through and, um, you know, Psalm 75, one says, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wonderful deeds. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Nick talked about that too. Like we wake up and it's like, man, we live in an amazing country, an amazing, we're in an amazing area in Northwest Iowa. And there's so many good things going on, great people. And, uh, you know, it's a season where, you know, turn the media off, look around the table, look at your family and uh, focus on the word of God. Like the good news is when you're in the word of God, he's always got a plan. He's always got a plan through the fire. You look at Dan, mm. you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You look at Daniel. He always had a way out. You look at Abraham, you know, things came upon Sodom and Gomorrah, man, he had a way out. Abraham wasn't there. Lot was spared. He brought him out. And the cool thing, you know, I've never seen the righteous begging, forsaken or begging for bread. And the Lord is mm -hmm. he, uh, the redeemer. He's a restorer. He brings Amen. And when you turn to him, uh, he does provide for you. A few other things yeah. he took as well. Matthew 15, 36, it says he took the seven loaves and the fish. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. God is a God of multiplication. Even in a time when things don't look like they're going to meet, he can multiply just like he did uh, in the gospel. The days of the gospel, Matthew 15. Um, a couple more here, too, I want to share. I love this one, Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks, to, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Nick, Nick hit on Philippians 4, 6, which was great. Uh, Colossians 3, 15 says, then let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Amen. And I got one more here I want to share. It's, uh, let's see, with Abraham, because I think about those pilgrims, you know, when you live in Christ and you live a righteous life, like the Lord is going to, he has promises when you're in Christ, right? You're a co-heir to the same promises that came upon Abraham. Abraham, it says in Hebrews 11, eight through 16, it says by faith, when he is called obeying, obeyed by going out to a place 
which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, just like those pilgrims. For he was looking for the city which has foundation, foundations whose architect and builder is God. Amen. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own, but as it, they desire for a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. So think about this. You know, as this earth passes away, you know, are you ready for the heavenly one? There's going to be life after death. And there's two paths. There's going to be a path to, unfortunately, hell. And there's going to be a path to life, which is heaven. And the Bible says this. It says, uh, wide is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And only a few find it. And I used to live in Okoboji, Iowa. And for many ways, many years, I used to party on a, on a strip called Broadway. And uh, it's interesting. You go down this road and you'd have the Bible conference grounds there, uh, the Christian uh, thing. And then all past that, you had, you know, a dance club, you had bars and it was Broadway. And when I got born again, when I got saved, you know, I just saw that sign and the Lord really started, you know, showing me that, that the path to life is narrow and a few find it, but we want to welcome you too. I mean, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never received him, uh, do that. This is the season. Get right with the Lord. He provides, he takes you through and he accepts you regardless of your sins. And regardless of what you've been, been through, we all have iniquities. We all have things that have separated us from God, but he comes in in that midst and, and restores us in that time. So amen. you got anything before the list there, Nick? So good. No, I don't think so. So good, man. So I was at a, I work with uh, the fellowship of Christian athletes and then we also are planting a church, which is pretty cool. And part of an organization called Action 169. So we're full-time ministry. We're busy people. But I was in Northwestern College here earlier this week. And there's a basketball coach, Coach Corver, and an awesome man of God. He's a, His dad was a pastor in Compton, uh, California, and a Reformed church over there. But it's the most diverse Reformed church in the nation. And uh, he's a second-generation pastor's kid. His other brother is a pastor in Pella. And he's just a man of God, but he, he gathers about just under 100 athletes every Monday. And it's called Man Monday, teaches them the word, the Bible. But he had us do an exercise this week, and he had us do a list and take five minutes. And he said, write as many things you can in five minutes that you are thankful for. And the first five things I wrote was like my wife, my life, my kids, my parents, my relationship with Jesus. And everything I was most thankful for was not a physical item but it was either a person or a spiritual thing. And I was like, ain't that any man? Um, mm-hmm. But then beyond that, I mean, thankful for a home, thankful for food provision, but do that this season. Like you'll notice as you focus on that, you're going to release just a spirit of gratefulness in your heart and you're going to be excited uh, this Thanksgiving. So with that, that's what I have. Amen. Anything to add? Um, I'd be happy to pray. Pray us out, ma'am. All right. All right. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And uh, Father, we are so thankful, uh, first and foremost, for you. Uh, we're thankful for um, the salvation you provided for us in Jesus. 
thankful for you sending your son uh, on behalf of people that used to be your enemies, and yet you've loved them. And then you call us your sons and daughters, and you sent your son Jesus so that we could be adopted into your family. And so we thank you for that, God. Uh, We thank you that we have every spiritual blessing provided for us in Christ. Not only that, uh, we look around, Lord, and uh, we have a lot of physical blessings, too, just as as my brother Mike was mentioning. Uh, Father, we're so thankful for the families that you've given to us, dads and moms um, that raised us to to know God. Uh, Father, we're thankful for the spiritual heritage that's been left for us um, by uh, those who have gone before us. We're thankful to live in a nation, Lord, where we still do. Even though there's trouble, we have freedom. We can gather together um, on on this uh, coming Thanksgiving. We can gather around our tables. We can thank Jesus out loud, out of our mouths. Uh, We can do podcasts like this and say the name of Jesus um, without repercussions. Uh, We can gather on the Lord's Day, this coming Lord's Day. We can hear the word of God and we can sing his praises. And uh, Lord, there's just nothing to fear. We thank you for that. Thank you for this country, Lord. Uh, thank you for the boldness that others have uh, have had um, to um, to build this nation, to make it uh, what it is. And we pray that you'd continue uh, to give leaders, Lord, that uh, love this spiritual heritage and are going to fight for it um, with everything that they've got. Uh, vote in ways that honor and glorify you. Uh, make laws that are not only going to ensure our own freedoms, but the freedoms of our children and our grandchildren. And so we thank you, Father, for that. Uh, We pray in the name of Jesus that you would indeed give us grateful hearts. Uh, Father, when we look around and it's easy for us, the enemy so tempts us to see what's going wrong. And we pray, Father, that we would everywhere that we set our eyes, that you would put within us a heart of gratitude and we would be thankful for what you've provided. And uh, so, Lord, we pray that this coming this coming Thanksgiving, as we sit down um, to tables full of food, which you've provided for us and we look around the table at family and friends that you've given us. Um, We pray, Father, that we would indeed um, be grateful for your provision. Father, I thank you for my brother, Michael, and I'm thankful for the encouragement that he is to me and to to those that are watching now. And I pray, Father, that as we close this thing out, as we we leave it, um, Father, that we would be built up in our faith and in our gratitude to you. And we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. We love you, God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen, Nick. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Yeah, good things to you. Bless all you guys. We'll uh, catch up soon.